The more that you read, the more things you will know. The more that you learn, the more places you'll go. Dr. Seuss. There are thousands upon thousands of amazing, helpful books out there. My goal is to read them and share how we can implement the wisdom to improve our lives, the lives of the animals, and even help save the world. Welcome to Zoo Notable, taking wisdom from self-improvement, conservation, and animal-related books, and using them to help us become the best versions of ourselves. Whether you are an animal care professional or just a lover of nature and life, Zoo Notables helps you grow and level up your life. Welcome everyone to another Zoo Notable. I'm PJ with ZooFit and folks, happy Earth Month first and foremost. I have a huge treat for all of us today. My guest tonight is Sandy Schwartz. She is a journalist specializing in parenting, wellness, and the environment. She's been in many publications, including Chicken Soup for the Soul. She's a regular blogger for Scary Mommy and Very Well Family, among other publications. She's actually the founder of the Eco Happiness Project to help families help build a nature habit to feeling happier and calmer by exploring positive psychology tools through engagement with nature. Um, she's written an amazing, amazing, amazing book it, that comes out May 3rd. It's called Finding Eco Happiness. Welcome, welcome, Sandy, to the Zoo Notable. So glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for saying all that. <laughs> so you have a book, it's called Finding Eco Happiness. And let's just dive right in. This is the big idea. Anyways, what is, what is this? What is eco happiness? Yes. Yeah, so it's really all about how connecting with nature can help us feel better, better for our emotional health, our mental health. I really wanted people to recognize those benefits that we have in that regard. I have been, you know, an environmentalist since I was in high school. That was my college major. And, you know, I worked in the environmental field for a while and, you know, it's been a long journey and, and it's always a challenge. It's always an uphill battle in the environmental field to try to convince the general public to save the planet, you know, to make these changes, to buy the electric vehicle, to recycle all these stop using single use plastics. And, you know, I've been, I've been working on that for, for a long time and, with my own like personal battle with strength, um, stress and anxiety, I kind of came back to my roots, <laughs> pun, you know, pun intended, um, that nature and my interest in the environment was actually healing to me. And the light bulb just kind of went off and I'm like, well, wait, maybe if more people recognize that it makes them feel better, it makes their kids feel better, makes their, you know, their partners feel better, their friends, their loved ones, then maybe they will try to make some changes to, to help the planet, you know, mm -hmm. for the future generations. So that that's my like main gist of it. And then presenting all the science behind it, because I think that's important too. You know, this isn't just made up. There's so much science that backs us up. Yeah. From your, from the get-go again, you really grabbed my attention and you have a quote here. This is to help children. Parents often turn to quick fixes like medication without considering natural science-backed stress reduction techniques 
like mindfulness, gratitude, exercise, nutrition, art, and spending time in nature. And again, what you call this intersection of nature and mental health is what you start referring to eco-happiness. So Sandy is not just just an author writing about you know something that came to her you know in, in her time of need but uh, sandy's a journalist she's she's a she's a mom but you also have you have your program so this is what it's called is that is the eco happiness project can you tell me a little bit more about what this does you know it's really my passion is the communication piece of this you know I, I, mm-hmm. first and foremost i am the writer i'm a researcher and writer i loved writing a book, you know, a lot of people find that to be a daunting process, but that's what I love. And so the eco happiness project is a way to educate and and inspire families, you know, on building a nature habit to feel happier and calmer. And, you know, the book is geared towards families with school-age children, but I think even you said it pertains to everyone, you know, it's for kids of all ages. And the book could have easily been written for teens or college, you know, college kids or seniors, right. Or, or moms working or, you know, all of us are struggling with these challenges, especially in the last couple of years, even more. But, you know, for me, that quote that you read, you know, it was, it was me that, that also, you know, was sitting Mm -hmm. in the doctor's office in my, I think it was early thirties, you know, and the doctor was like, here. I'm going to write a prescription for Xanax. And it kind of freaked me out for some reason. I just was like, I fought that. Like, I didn't want to just jump to medication without at least trying other avenues. And I'm not against medication, but even with, with all medications, I just, um, I just try to at least see what else I can do. Like if I have other issues, I'll go to like acupuncture first before I take, you know, the pain medicine or whatever. I just like to at least explore those options. And especially when they are science backed as well. So yeah, I was that, you know, grown up sitting there saying, okay, I just want to, you know, give me, write me a prescription. Where's my prescription for nature, right? <laughs> you know, that's what I really needed. <laughs> you have quite a bit. I don't know how many times you mentioned him, but um, you do mention mm-hmm. another mentor of mine of, of this movement, Richard Louvre. Mm-hmm. He's written several books about, again, what we call nature deficit disorder, and how this is affecting children's not just their not just their mental health but also their physical health too but i also think that that what what he was saying in his books and what i really got from you is is this year has been a little rough for me particularly this past year just in, just life in general and i looking back and especially after while reading finding eco happiness with this in mind, knowing it's for kids or for families, but I was still just like wowed by how relatable this, these ideas that you suggest were. And so again, while reading it, um, I just kept saying, I need to, I need to play. I need to play more me, Mm -hmm. an adult. I need to play more and I need to do it in nature. I need to be outside playing and I had a discussion with, with another writer last week, and we were talking about how uh, we don't, we don't just do things for percolating, for, for writing. We just, we have purposes. I go, I walk, I walk outside, but I'm walking. I'm I'm going to the office. I'm going to our, our local grocery store that I can walk to. 
I have this purpose. I don't play. I don't go outside and just explore. And because because I'm an adult, why would I? I just really like that idea that even though this is going to talk for families to get outside and play, this is again not just for kids. This is for families, for adults and children to get outside and take their health into their own hands with by by exploring nature. So and finding that I love that title too. I love it finding some eco happiness in there. Something we all need. Yes. And, and I agree with you that we all need to play more. And I also keep saying repeatedly that you write the books, the book you need most. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm, you know, the whole concept of imposter syndrome. I mean, I think a lot of authors, writers go through that, you know, and I'm writing this book and I'm like, but I'm not outdoorsy enough. Or, you know, I don't, I don't go out as much as I should, or as much as the next person, you know, who am I to, to say this? And you know what? I'm the suburban environmentalist mom who, who does sit at the computer most of my day. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I do go outside, go for that walk, you know, to get my exercise, or I take the computer out back to have that fresh air, I'm making those choices. And yeah, I, I need my habit to be better as well. My nature habit, but by by doing all this research and communicating and talking about it, it's good for me too. Mm -hmm. And I, and I recognize how challenging it is for other people to build this into their routine because there's so many obstacles, but once you do it, put the phone down. Like today I was, I was stuck on my kids, a school campus for an mm -hmm. extra hour because my daughter had an event and there was like an hour between the end of that event and picking my son up from his lacrosse practice. And we, my daughter and I were sitting on a bench and the weather was beautiful with the wind breeze. And we were sitting there and I'm like, I just, okay, I'm going to put the phone down. And I was looking at the beautiful blue sky and the trees blowing the wind, even for just a few minutes. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm being mindful. I'm finding my eco happiness. And so it's really just remembering and being mindful to do it. Yeah. So you have a whole section on mindfulness and this is something I've really been really been practicing a lot more trying to pay attention to being in the present and i love your you have some great great suggestions so if folks grab the book it comes out may 3rd grab the book if you want to learn more but i love the love and kindness meditation in general this is a wonderful meditation that i've been practicing for a little while yeah sitting in, in contemplation and then think to yourself may you or, or may someone you love may you be safe may you be healthy and strong may you be happy may you be at ease but you take it a step further and take it into nature and so talk doing those feelings uh, doing that that mantra that meditation towards towards things that you that that you love you know, rainbows, the ocean, things that you like, you know, you're kind of, man, this it's, or neutral about like, you know, just like grass or clouds, but then, and this is the, this is such a power, the powerful part of this meditation anyways, is then going towards something that you don't like. So may spiders <laughs> be safe mm -hmm. or, or may, you know, may lightning be, be healthy and strong, something that you're, you are, afraid of or that you're not that you dislike and using that using that as a pr proportion to 
find gratitude, find gratefulness, and then also just peace within yourself. What a powerful exercise that I just really, really appreciated. As I mentioned, the, the whole idea of, of free play in itself and just letting kids be kids with no agenda, not going, we're going to go outside and play soccer. Or we're going to go to the playground. You're going to swing on the swing set. But just letting them outside, letting them use nature as their as their playground is just really really remarkable and once again something that I feel while it is definitely geared towards kids I think I think adults could really benefit from it as well and all the animal related exercises that you do yeah I mean that's (laughs) the perfect connection I love that so with ZooFit we do have a lot of fun I, I like taking animals and learning a little bit more about them and then incorporating exercises around it. So it's not just a workout. It's not, oh, I have to exercise. It's like, let's pretend that we're animals. Let's learn a little bit. Let's just have some fun and playing games. And again, adults are more than welcome to, to join us with those, those exercises. I actually never heard this term before, but I've been doing it. What you just said it's called green exercise. So this is what I do. I mean, this, I, I've been calling it conservation fitness, um, where I do exercise, you know, again, in nature, with nature, for nature. Like, so it can be hiking and that is definitely a green exercise. The whole idea of, again, playing around like, like with animals, just going outside and also doing exercise that actually benefits the environment. So one of the things that, that we do around the neighborhood is an, is an activity and you mentioned it, but it's actually got a name called plogging. It's, it's the Swedish term for picking up trash and jogging at the same time. The Swedish called plogging and it's gotten, it's taken the world by storm. So it's, yeah, taking a walk around your neighborhood, grab a trash bag and, and help out. Yeah. I never heard that term and I just jotted it down because yeah. it sounds like a really great blog post, but you know, one of, one of the best parts of of this, you know, putting this book together was that I was pulling together, not only the research, like you said, you know, the expert experts who came up with the term green exercise and study it and all that, but also collecting stories from people on the ground, you know, practitioners and everyday people. And, um, one of the uh, city council members here, um, where I live, he was plugging. He, he created this whole movement in our town where he started jogging, you know, running and then would pick up trash and it, it exploded to this, you know, huge event that he does. You know, he, he went, tried to run, I guess the goal was to run every uh, street in the city. And now <laughs> it's like kind of part of his campaign too. It was a very smart way to meet all the community and he got, you know, press coverage. And now he is campaigning for like a higher level of office. And so I actually joined him recently uh, on one of them as he was trying to finish out some of the neighborhoods, but yeah, very inspiring. And he has like five kids and sometimes he would take them the double stroller and he would go and, you know, grab these bags of trash. So a lot of energy. (laughs) It does (laughs) take, that does take a lot of energy and takes a lot of, a lot of commitment, but something for us to also consider when we're doing this is, is Again, it's free play. It's for the kids. Let them let them explore. Don't make them pick up trash. What I you have this very gentle way about it. It's like letting the kids kind of make it their own. So again, we're not forcing them. 
oh, we gotta go pick up trash. That becomes a chore, and it's not something that that anyone wants to do, much less well, much less kids. But if we make it a game, like let's go on a scavenger hunt, let's go, let's play I Spy, or let's see how many you know, let's see how many uh, soda bottles we can we can pick up. Finding and making it a game where they get to explore a little bit, but also have a little bit of fun in their fitness. One thing that that it did also remind me of the green exercise is something from John Rady who wrote Go Wild. And this is again about more of the adult, the adult side. But John Rady is a, a, a doctor who has said um, in the past that exercise is like taking a little bit of Ritalin and a little bit of Prozac. So he's not saying that we'll replace if you need medication, again, disclaimer, if you need medication, take your medication, but that exercise helps us focus like Ritalin can and it also improves our mood like Prozac can so but then he doubles down on that and go wild and he says exercise in nature is exercise squared so mm-hmm. those benefits that we are getting by by exercising outside are actually doubled so the mood improvement the mood enhancement the the focus the, the fresh air, the, again, a peace of mind, all those things are doubled when we just take a step outside. So yeah, if you have a place that you like to go, if it's the ocean or the lake, if it's the, the mountains, if it's, if it's your playground down the street, again, exercise in nature is exercise squared. So go out and have some fun. <laughs> That's a great point. And really that is also the theme more generally in all of my chapters is that each of these chapters are based a lot on like the elements of positive psychology. And so, you know, I had studied mindfulness separately in creative arts and volunteerism mm-hmm. and exercise and to know how they would benefit my hat, my, my own personal well being, But then that I layered on the nature perspective that I really didn't see anywhere else all, you know, in in one spot, in one, you know, book or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, that is exactly, if you love painting, for example, like I, I enjoy painting watercolor of plants and flowers, you know, outdoor scenes. So that's beneficial. Just looking at the nature. Usually Mm -hmm. I, I take a photo first and then I paint from it, but then even more beneficial, if you're painting outside, if you're creating outside, And then, yeah, it all kind of compiles on top of each other, all the layers on top, all those benefits. So it's kind of like, you know, how could you not do it when you know that you can get like, you know, five times the benefit just by doing something that you know is healthy and then now taking it outside as well. Before we continue with our Zoo Notable, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. I couldn't do these Notables without them. So we'll be right back after these messages. You have some mindfulness practices like the, the loving kindness, the rainbow breathing. You give us so many different activities with, with nature play but also with that, again, and green exercise. So once again, whatever your, whatever your heart's desire, but you even give us some ideas of what to do when things don't go, don't go right. So we, we know we, it benefits us to go outside. You know, we're, we're, we sold into this idea through the mindfulness and the, and the 
research that you share with us in the book. But then we get to this part where you call it the, the barriers to outside play, the, the ex, and what I would call the excuses. Oh, it's too hot. Oh, you know, the weather isn't cooperating. Now, I will admit you're in Florida. <laughs> it is too hot in Florida. <laughs> yeah. It does. It, so, <laughs> but it is, an, it is an excuse. I live in the Pacific Northwest. It's always too wet. It's always too wet in the Pacific Northwest. So we have our excuses and there's also that the too, it's too busy. I'm too busy or it takes too much time. The kids have homework. We, mm-hmm. we have a list a mile long, but you have some, you, you, you take us through this. Like there's, there's ways around it. I love some of your suggestions, but also this reminds me of other productivity coaches. They, they say, make a plan. So you think about what you want. I want to go outside. This is my wish. The outcome is, again, what this book is all about. We got eco-happiness on the horizon if we go outside. But then we have these obstacles. Again, it's raining. I live in Florida and it's hot. Or I, I, am a, I, I work nine to five and my kids have, out, have all these after-school activities. And so we're too busy. What's your plan for those obstacles? What are you going to do to get over them? So it could be simple, as simple as, well, you know, we'll wear sunscreen or we will find the, the shady part of the park. Or if it's, again, if it's inclement, inclement weather, I'll bring an umbrella. Or if it's a little concern for you, we're going to, we can't control the weather. So when, it, when it's raining, this is what I'm going to do. And love your suggestions, maybe do an art project with nature items. So having these items inside so yes, you're inside, but you're still experiencing nature in, it, in its fullest. Possibly even make some healthy snacks using the items from your garden or from a, uh, from a farm that you visited mm-hmm. or maybe from a pick. But making a little healthy snack with your kids, again, it's inside, but you are experiencing the things that you did outside. Yeah, love that. Where do you, where do you what do you do when you are when you're stuck inside or when you can't, can't go to your happy place. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's so many ways to still tap into it. And the best, you know, memory I have is when the pandemic first started and I was like, how am I going to get through this? (laughs) So I challenged myself to go 100 straight days. I think I started off with maybe I'll do a week and 30 days ended up being a hundred total straight days of doing at least one thing that was, you know, for, to find eco happiness. And so even when it was raining, even the days that, yeah, we didn't get outside, there are some really amazing ways to connect to nature, even on a screen. And I know that's not ideal, but I like to keep the options open for everybody. You know, I'm not saying every day to go for a hike. Maybe you just had a hike yesterday and you're exhausted and you want to chill out. Well, put on the discovery channel or close your eyes and put on one of these apps, like the calm app that has soothing, you know, nature sound. I mean, to me, that is the end all be all where I close my eyes and I'm (laughs) hearing nature, but I'm like transported in my own brain to, to that area, you know, that place or someplace I've been in the past. Art again is helpful. Um, reading about nature. There's so much that just again, stimulates 
the creativity and, and the imagery, poetry, you know, there's so much that you can do. And then, you know, decorating your, your home or your office with plants or pictures of, of art. My office here, I have a lot of my art that my, my own, you know, nature art that I've done, you know, and, and watercolor and other um, art painting classes. And so it's like a nice memory of, of places I've been. And, and so, yeah, it's really understanding how we can connect to nature in the way that works for each of us. Uh, yeah. And so for my listeners, again, Sandy's got a gorgeous little backdrop <laughs> behind, behind her. Where I do, I see prints of twigs, some flowers, some trees, some bushes. It's it really watching her is very peaceful. <laughs> it's bringing me eco happiness. <laughs> that was a great tip I got from from a webinar because behind that screen is is a guest bed. So <laughs> yeah, you know, it brought a little bit of nature nature to us. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to my favorite topic of, of the book, and of course, as a as a zookeeper at heart, no matter where I am, (laughs) my favorite chapter was on the animals. And of course, I am a big advocate of, of zoos. I think that zoos are just the most remarkable place for children, families, for adults. It's a great first date. And it's a, it's a great place to, to really connect to nature and to conservation and, and even to yourselves a little bit. But I really like how you brought brought in not just not just the wild animals, but our our even our pets and again the animals close to home. I have to say that as far as eco happiness, you, know, you talk a little bit about this in in the book. But animals as natural therapy, basically, um, again how therapeutic it can be. I I have a firm belief that one cannot be sad while simultaneously petting a goat. That's my my stance and I, I will stick to it. You can't be sad and petting a goat at the same time just can't it cannot happen. <laughs> so um but it could be it could be anything. I think a dog, a rabbit, anything that uh, that speaks to you will will bring that eco happiness and connect to you. So what are your favorite therapy animals? <laughs> Well, and it's interesting that, that, you know, of course for you, this was your favorite chapter and the one you related to the most for me, it was actually one of the most challenging because <laughs> as I, and as you probably saw in the beginning, I admitted, like, I'm not really a pet person. I didn't grow up with a dog or a cat. I mean, I had a goldfish and that was about it. I always wanted a pet turtle, never got that, but you know, for me, there's still a way to connect. You know, I, mm-hmm. I feel like I connect to birds a lot, you know, on my morning walks or if I'm in my backyard, I just always am in awe of the colors of birds and the different kinds. And, and depending on where you are in the world, there's so many different types of them, species, and like how you ever know, you know, like to, to understand all the species, like is an incredible, you know, task. So, and, and all the different, the different bird songs. So I'm fascinated by that. And I've always loved marine animals. I go into aquariums, the fish again, you know, there's just endless types of fish and the colors. Uh, we spend the summer up in New Jersey by the beach and we've been there many, many years and never went, never knew that they had this uh, little cruise you can take, you know, like a two hour cr- boat ride to see dolphins. <gasps> and they promised us we would see dolphins. And I said, there's no dolphins here. I mean, I go to this beach all the time, you know, <laughs> once in a while, once a summer, maybe you hear about dolphins. 
And this guy promised every single day he takes the boat out and they, they guarantee you're going to see dolphins. And we did. And they were incredible. And there were tons of them and they were right next to us jumping. And it was, it was fabulous. And, you know, I got to also experience whale watching in Alaska. So we all find our favorites. Now I will say <laughs> this morning on, on my walk, I saw another black snake and I never <laughs> get used to them. <laughs> But I guess I should have practiced my mindfulness on uh, accepting the wishing the snake well. <laughs> we all have one of those one of those items that again, uh, I've learned spiders have I, I often joke that spiders have just too many legs <laughs> for for me. But I've even come to again, I've come to accept them that they do they do some good. And I, I think that's why I love zoos so much is that they can show you, the animals that even that you don't care about, you don't, you don't prefer not to, not to interact with, that's okay, but you can still learn how important they are to the ecosystem and to, to the environment. And I believe that all animals have some kind of lesson that they can, that they can teach us from the giant elephant to, to the, to the teeny tiny hummingbird. I have like different lessons I've learned throughout my time working with them, but also just experiencing, experiencing them in their natural environment and just their little quick messages that they have for me in my life. And I think that that kind of leads me to the other big, big idea that I got from here is that once we've learned all these great tools and tips and, uh, and ways to connect to nature and find eco happiness, we are get, we get to this point where our lives have changed and it's time to, in my opinion, it's time to give back. And I love mm. that you added one of my favorite quotes from Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing's going to get better. It's not. And so we've led into this, you know, we, we've gotten our lives, our lives have changed because of eco happiness, because of spending time in nature, but it also needs us and needs us to to give back what was so freely given to us. When you were saying that, I was just thinking that, and I loved how you explained that, you know, that, that we, we realize how it helps us feel better. So we want to protect it and give back and volunteer and do the cleanups. But also, you know, there's a story in the book about this organization called Community Greening down here in Florida that plants trees and a lot of times urban orchards in communities that just don't have mm. the trees like, you know, the other communities do. And I got to go and tour one of these areas. And it was fascinating because a lot of the folks in this neighborhood were from other countries, like in the Caribbean. And so these fruit trees now that are brought into this neighborhood and growing, like not just gives them beautiful trees and shade and the color of the fruit growing, but the, the, it brings them back to their memories of their childhood, like these grandparents, and then they can share with their grandchildren. And it's, it's just this big community building situation. And then of course, just better as far as climate change and, you know, mm -hmm. adding the oxygen, you know, the cleaner air, you know, everything about it and, and just having greenery, you know, the science shows being able to see that greenery helps us feel calmer and happier. Yes. So less cement, more green. And so, yeah, we're also not just helping the planet, but we can also give back and help the communities that aren't being exposed to nature as much. So they don't yet necessarily 
realize that it can benefit them. But once they do, now they're going to want to kind of jump in and say, hey, don't pave over our orchard. Don't pave over our park. So yeah, you know, I've done plenty of beach cleanups on my own with my kids. We've also volunteered at a community garden that was connected to an area, a center of, with uh, adults with special needs. And they actually would take the produce and use it in their cafeteria. Like part of what they do to build you know, life skills for the community is they go in the kitchen and they, they make this food. So we went in there and we helped with the tend the garden. And that was very rewarding. Plenty of ideas to get involved. It can be as simple as you know, having your own garden in your backyard and, you know, taking the peppers and donating it to a food bank or giving it to someone in need down the street to painting a flower on a card and taking that to someone in the hospital. So there's so many different levels of how you can incorporate, you know, nature into, into giving. That's, that's beautiful. I also have to point out like this is how I got into the field in the first place was through volunteering and you talk about this again by giving our children these type of volunteer experiences throughout their childhood we can help them discover their passion and purpose so they can ultimately find happiness by pursuing their interests and that brought me right back to when beginning of my career I knew, I knew like from very early age, what I wanted to do when I grew up, I was pointing to the dolphin show and I was like, mom, that's, that's what I'm going to do when I grow up. But as I grew older, I, I learned what it's going to take to become a zookeeper. I needed animal experience. And so I started volunteering at wildlife sanctuaries. I started volunteering at the Humane Society. Even after I left the zoo, I couldn't stay away. I just, I could not stay away from, from being connected to animals. So I've started volunteering at a place called animals as natural therapy. And folks, this is again, what this place does is what Sandy's talking about in finding eco happiness. It's they have horses, they have goats, they have all kinds of wonderful, wonderful animals and kids come in and, you know, they, they actually have therapy sessions, but they're working with the horses. They're, they're pairing up and they're, they're outside, they're in nature, they're with animals and um, it helps them heal a little bit. And so I still kept that connection, but I've also noticed that a lot of the, the, the children that do volunteer do go on to uh, be at least connected in some way through into conservation. So maybe they become a zookeeper, maybe they won't feel so they may become researchers, they may become lawyers, but then focus on environmental law, they may, uh, but they stay connected and they pursue their passions with more fervor, but also again, remember their roots. So volunteering can help you get into the field that you want. Again, it can help uh, draw that passion and also you have the statement very simple very does it, it sums it up doing good makes us feel good <laughs> so mm-hmm. again going full circle if we want happy happy children happy communities happy families it starts by taking care of ourselves and one of the best steps we can do is by taking a step outside into into nature yeah and you know it's also finding your passion. Like it's clear animals in zoos are your passion. You know, you can hear it in your voice, 
for me, it was finding this connection to, you know, between nature and mental health and, and my, you know, I'm so passionate of educating people about this because it's just so simple yet so powerful. And when you find that passion, whether it's through volunteering or once you have a career, like it doesn't feel like work anymore, right? It's just something you want to do. And it, it makes me feel better just writing about these topics. You know, there's so much ickiness in the world and going on and the news and everything. And it's like, well, why, why would anyone want to focus on that negativity? You know, let's focus on mm-hmm. what's positive and the kindness and, and how we can make the world a better place. And so, you know, that's what I enjoy so much about this topic and this work because it, it's positive. It's spreading that positivity. Yeah. Many times while reading this, I thought, wow, <laughs> Sandy's written the book. I wish I could write. <laughs> this is really good. Just a fantastic put together book that's again all inclusive, very, very helpful. And I get you sum it up in your conclusion so, so brilliantly that mental health should be a part of the environmental movement. I think this is again the important message for all of our parents out there. Anyone, if you are struggling, whether you're an adult or teenager, if you're struggling with mental health, again, your health and the planet's health are interconnected. So we need to protect our environment for many critical reasons. This is Sandy here, including our mental health. So the environment, our our mental health depends on the environment and the environment depends on us being being whole um, and so that we can take care of it. I can't can't say enough good things (laughs) about, about this book. So this book is brand, going to be brand new. It's coming out May 3rd. How can we grab our copies? You can grab your copy. There's ebooks and paperbacks available. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, IndieBound, really wherever books are sold. And also plenty of libraries too. And, and oh, that, that's a great help. If it's not in your local library, you can request that they order it. So that would be really awesome if you did. <laughs> Yeah. And I also want to encourage everyone to head over to the website because there's all kinds of, there's some you know freebies there and lots of blog posts and other information. And that's ecohappinessproject.com. And folks, there'll be a link in the description down below. So check it out. This book particularly, I think is just so helpful in helping us improve our own lives. And the whole purpose of what I think is, is that draws for the environmental movement is that is that we need the planet but the plant but we also we need to take care of ourselves in the process and and again this does this book helps us do both so once again especially if you have kids especially if you have a family but even if you don't uh, this book is super super helpful if you're finding you're struggling find some little eco happiness and go outside (laughs) but Go outside in nature, find some eco happiness. <laughs> and that's all I've got for this wonderful book. Let me know your thoughts. What big idea resonated with you the most? And how can you incorporate that into your life starting today? And share some of your favorite books that you love to see as you notable on. A gigantic thank you to my patrons, Rochelle, Laura, Sarah, Liz, and Stephanie. Keep working on becoming the best version of yourself today 
tomorrow, and forever for you, your community, the animals, and the planet. Take care, and I will see you all next time.